So you feel invested because if you aren't there defending Super Earth, like mm. other people won't be doing that for yeah. you. So you feel the like desire to go back in and fight more and you feel invested in the world. Whereas with the pirate, like Skull and Bones, what is there to draw you back? Like, w- what purpose do I have for continually playing this game mm. over the next five years? Hello, weary travelers, and welcome to the Underleveled Podcast with Ucha, Kieran, and Bjorn. Here we discuss all manner of things. We talk about our lives, challenges, gaming, general nerd stuff, absolute nonsense, and sometimes mental health. That's right. Why not? Let's dive in, baby. Let's get deep. Anywho, please join us as we go through a world within which we can often feel underleveled and underprepared for. It's time to level up. Now, on to the podcast. Oh, how was your HR run in there? Oh, it was great. They loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, so, Hello and welcome back to the Underleveled Podcast. They My say name. it takes two to tango, but now it takes two to host a podcast. Well, I'm Bjorn. Who am I? Push off. Hey. And we come at you with some unfortunate news. Kieran is out for today, and maybe even for tomorrow, due to a severe cell-sucking accident that occurred in the depths of the Amazon jungle. He was working with the mom from Madam Web. (laughs) And while she and the spider were tangoing, Kieran was tangoing with himself. We'll keep you updated on any further news as we are become aware of His it. His web connects us all. <laughs> oh, he, was, he was shooting webs for sure. I was oh. playing the violin. I don't know if you can put that in post just for a nice little... How the f*** are you... <laughs> Dude, I've just gotten used to like masking, which is where you kind of block something You should from... talk to your therapist about that. Shut the f*** up. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so no, tell, on, just so just, <laughs> tell us about you getting used to masking. <laughs> no, 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 I don't want to. Wow. But today it's just going to be Hushev and myself, but we are going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. Over to you, over to our reporter in the field. Yeah, like, we went from the last two weeks having, like, no news coming out to all the news coming out this week. And I think probably the best place to start is give an update on Xbox. Okay, please take the lead. Alright, so, obviously, if you guys watched our earlier episodes, which I'm sure you all did, because we're the best. Our girlfriend's like, uh, yeah, X, we were speculating on Xbox and what their big announcement was going to be if they were going to officially declare that uh, they were only going to be focusing on hardware and just being a third, uh, third, party, uh, third party software developer. This is from two episodes ago. Yes. Right? So like maybe two, two and a half yeah. weeks, there was rumblings. 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 <laughs> but yeah, but uh, Full Spencer came out as like, guys, calm down. You know, it's not as bad. We are just going to be porting over four games uh, that are currently exclusive to the Xbox uh, with a view of that to change in the future. What are the four games? As of now, we only know what one of them was, which was uh, announced at IGN's... Um, Fanfest. Oh, Fanfest, thank you. Uh, which is Hi-Fi fi Rush. Which one is... Hi- is that like a... It's a, that beat-em-up rhythm game where everything like moves to a rhythm. Like, you're fighting, the movement. I... It's very colourful. It's, it's done kind of like in that Borderlands oh, style. Oh, I know exactly what game you're talking about. Mm. I always... There was another Xbox exclusive game from years ago that has... Wasn't it? I think it was an Xbox exclusive. At, just at the beginning of the... 
what generation com- came off of the Xbox 360? The, uh, yeah, the Xbox. I think at the beginning of the Xbox One's life, there was a game whose name I'm going to add and post right over here. Sunset Overdrive. Okay, great game. I, I played the I mean, shit out of that game. 10 out of wow, 10 game. Wow, it's so nice. But <laughs> so you, much memories. Like jumped around and like it had very punk aesthetic, but that colorful punk was a bit of a zombie-esque world where you had these virus creatures, but you jumped around, fought them, grinded on rails, got like little pop-ups, like you uh, saying like, rad, wham. <laughs> This is like scratching something. I vaguely can like What's remember scratching <laughs> my balls. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he also then because the two games everybody's like was saying definitely gonna go across was the new Indiana Jones and Starfield. But he was like, guys, calm down. It's gonna that's safe. It's still it's not going to be going over to other platforms. But I feel like he wanted to add yet. Because <laughs> like he starts saying it, and you can hear the producer be like, "No, <laughs> no, 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 cut him off." Because I, I truly feel now that they are gonna eventually just uh, discontinue their hardware and just be like I said, a third-party software. Blah blah blah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Words. Okay. Uh, because I think it's gonna be a one-year exclusive for all of their games, where for one year, um, new Xbox games will be exclusive to Xbox, and then once that one year's over, they'll port it over to the other. Uh, consoles. What's the point? What what but purpose we, does that serve? Because then you just have a bit of patience yeah. and you get to play. But we're seeing this more and more that uh, the walls are falling down between the exclusives and they're going over mainly from to PC. Obviously, Nintendo would rather see the world burn before they give <laughs> any of the titles to anyone else. But it seems like for everybody else, they're becoming more and more accepting of um, sharing their... What, IPs. What are rabbits? I I was scrolling. Rabbits through... started on one of the Sega. I think they were Sega. Because in Ubisoft games that have made, I was just looking up Ubisoft because of a topic we'll talk about later. Mm. But there was a game that they made in the last couple of years, which was Mario plus Rabbits, oh, which was yes. definitely a crossover between a Nintendo, well Mario. Um, and I wonder how that then came about. But I think Rabbids was originally Sega, and Nintendo has partnered with Sega in the past. Hmm. Well, I could be wrong, but I feel like Rabbids were... But this is a Ubisoft game. Yeah, but Ubisoft has always done multiple consoles. Yeah, fair enough. Hmm. Uh, either way, so that's kind of the Xbox news. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing too crazy, kind of just being like... Yeah, hey. I mean, like, everybody blew it out of proportion, but like, hey, that's the world we live in. Hmm. We jump to conclusions first, ask questions later. <laughs> okay, speaking of jumping to what's it? Conclusions? Conclusions. Um, the PS5. Yeah, so the PS5 is entering its latter cycle, life cycle, according to... Latter? Uh, yeah. That's later. Later. Thank you. According to their conference reports by their CEO, which um, actually makes sense because we are now in the fourth year of the PS5. Uh, the previous two PlayStations, 4 and 3, had a seven-year life cycle. And the... Two? I didn't go that far back, but I could assume probably follows the same. Can you continue with the announcement? Sure. Uh, anyway, so they say they're entering the the later life cycle. That's a li- oh, you got me thinking about this too much. <laughs> but it, I, if it, we're now in the latter half of the life cycle of the PlayStation Five, it's kind of a failure uh, compared to their previous consoles, because as of this moment right now. PlayStation 5 only has 14 exclusives 
And a lot of those 14 are not like bangers. They're like random ass titles that not a lot of people have like played. Obviously, we've got like your big ones, like your God of Wars and... Um, so, um, PS5 has Ragnarok, God of War Ragnarok, yeah. which is a sequel. So I was, there's a YouTuber and streamer I watch quite a lot called Luke Stevens. Oh, I know Luke Stevens. Right. Um, he does some really good long form review. I, I have my issues with some He, he does some like stuff. the, like before you buy type, type of things. No. Does That's Game Ranks. Game Ranks literally does a series called Before You Buy. <laughs> but Luke Stevens, he's a white dude. We're in no, like no, a I do suit. know him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But um, he was talking about the fact that the PS5 has pretty much just had sequels and some random, whereas the PS4 had... When we think of God of War nowadays, we don't think of like the first three. We think of like the reimagina- reimagining. Yeah, but God of War started with the PlayStation 2. I know, but saying like... Technically, oh, it's almost like a new game. I get, yeah, I get you. They're like rebooted almost. Yeah, as opposed to it being a sequel. Yeah. And it also... What were the other big PS4 games? You had Red Dead. Um, Red Dead was an exclusive though. It was... Oh, uh, it was cross-gen. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn was a big one. Yes. Um, actually, I think I have a list of... Mm. Before we get to that... Four exclusives. Um, just the time jumps between the different consoles... So from PS1 to PS2, it was five years, a little over five years. From PS2 to PS3, it was six years and eight months. And then... So round that up, seven years. Yeah. So, well, it's... And two, <laughs> Four months. Two, two thirds. Fine. Like, yeah, round it up. Dude, what? 0.6666666. Yeah, but I can't say I got 100% <laughs> on a test if I got... <laughs> Do you know when I, when I go to work, uh, if you... Like, we have to do your um, eight hours, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you get there at, like, seven, and you do your eight, you're leaving at, what, three? Seven plus eight is 15, so yeah. three. So I always, like, round down my time. So if I get there at, like, 7.59, I round down, and I say I got there at 7.30. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how rounding works. <laughs> it is to me. Oh, so Sorry, yeah. Um, so then, yeah, and as you said earlier, from PS3 to PS4 was seven years... Oh, wait, no? Uh, yeah, seven years and five days. So almost exactly seven years. That round that up to So, yeah, so that's the time jumps between the consoles. Yeah. And then the exclusives. Uh, so you wanted PS4 exclusives? PS4, like, I want the big ones. The All right, so I, uh, the big ones that I had, but I looked up... Because I, I wanted to look up the same... A period now for the PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, so four years into their cycle, they had twenty-seven exclusives. At that time, the the like big ones would have been Killzone, uh, the fourth the fourth Killzone Shadowfall, Infamous Second Sons, Ooh. Last of Us Remastered, <laughs> Little Big Planet Three, Bloodborne, Until Dawn, um, Uncharted 4, Sequel, Ratchet and Clank, Sequel. Horizon Zero Dawn, Original. Okay, so there's uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and Oh, Dawn. and Knack. I don't know if you know about Knack. Like K-N-A-C-K. Yeah. No. Oh, it's such a meme game. Do you know Video Game Donkey? I do know Video Game Donkey. It's his like, favorite like meme game to like. What do you dunk do? On. Is it a platformer? I don't... It's, a, it's like an RPG, um, almost kind of like that Ratchet and Clank-esque type thing, but you kind of like this Lego Man thing. Look it up. It's hilarious. <laughs> okay. So that's what. We've looked at Xbox. We've looked at PlayStation. What is the news with Nintendo? 
Oof. They had a direct, didn't they? Recently. Yes, they did. Anything um, good come out of it? Because so I completely I, dude, missed it. I this. don't understand. When you have a Nintendo fanboy such as yourself, that you were so confused by a message on a group being like, hey, there's a Nintendo Direct. Because I literally did not hear anything about a Nintendo Direct. So it's also, it wasn't like the big Direct, I don't think. It was more, it was a partner Direct. Which means it's all the studios that are partnered with Nintendo and like the games they're releasing. It was very arcadey. I watched a but like I think the whole roundup. It just was a lot of trailers, some remakes, like nothing that completely floored me. The one like I was kind of weirded out by the fact that they're taking Kingdom Come Deliverance, uh, which is one of my favorite games at the moment, um, and I'm putting it on the Switch, which it's it's a very demanding game on a high end PC, and it looks garbage on the footage I've seen for the Switch. It just, it makes no sense for that to be on there. But also they've, The Witcher 3 is on the Switch, right? They, what are the other big games that they've put on the Switch? Do you know? Not really. There are some big AAA games. I think a couple of the Assassin's Creed have got to be on the Switch. Mmm. Um, which is... Which I think is like, I buy the Switch for the Nintendo games. I don't buy it so I can play... <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2 on it the feels it, yeah it does feel like a bit of a thing like oh if you have a Switch and nothing else you can play this like, but it, yeah. it's also not that I wouldn't want to play those games on Switch because you lose a lot of the graphics like yeah. for a lot of the games the graphics are what like really send it into the stratosphere do you, do you I don't know if you remember the whole like Harry Potter Harry Potter games like the early ones like the Philosopher's Stones and like the Chamber of Secrets I think I might have played one and two so do you know like when? every single one on every different console is different so like the, for instance the, the Chamber of Secrets that was made for the Playstation 2 is not the same that was made for the Playstation 1 which is not the same game which was made for like the Game Boy was all it... of them were like different styles were they different stuff. studios all different studios yeah so it kind of like feels like that when it goes to a Switch like a different completely different <laughs> studio so it's not doing even a port dude <laughs> that's Kind of like a hectic burn on <laughs> on the people that port it. Oh, don't port into the Switch. You know what it can do. Mm. It can't support these high end games. Okay. Like keep it to what you know. Like like putting over like Stardew Valley makes sense. Um, Hades makes sense. Um, uh, what else makes sense? Hollow Knight makes sense because those are things which can run on the the Switch's um, hardware. Okay. I will say there were a couple of things that stood out a bit to me. Yeah. Um, so there was a game that scratches my JRPG weird itch of like anime girls in no armor. <laughs> it's called Unicorn Overlord. You're such a um, degenerate. It's, it looks almost like a bit of a weird blending of Fire Emblem and a Final Fantasy Ooh, kind of Oh, I thing. love a Fire Emblem. So it's, it's got that kind of campaign with lots of uh, main characters that you can play as and stuff. Looked very cool, but also like I've seen it five million times before. Um, so is there nothing when you were watching it that's kind of going to set it apart from its contemporaries? There was... No, I meant this game Oh, this game, there. no. It's, you're gonna, you'll have seen it before, for okay. sure. I think. <laughs> I haven't played it, but from everything I saw and researched. Uh, otherwise, there was a, there's a remake of Disney Epic Mickey. Oh, yes. Rebrushed, so, which is a classic game yes. that they've... Which, the gameplay looked awesome. It looked super, super cool. So, and it, it, this is, like, reanimated. Like, they actually reanimated everything where it's not, like, updated graphics. They didn't just put it into a new engine. Yeah, thing. which is, like, you know, hats off to them for actually, you know, putting in the work, too. The mechanics look really cool. Like, you're using um, paintbrushes and stuff to edit. It's almost like a level 
platformer kind of game where you're moving through a level trying to like climb and go places and you're using like a brush to yeah. paint things and yeah. it creates like doorways and edits the world that you see around you. Is it the same way like you'll, sw- you'll switch from like a 2D to a 3D? I think so. I didn't get that. For- I just watched the trailer for the actual I've game. never played the original. It was always like one of the games I wanted to, but I never got around to Does it. Does it feel a bit like uh, node homework in a sense? Like it's, for instance, like when, you- when you're big into fantasy, everyone says you've got to read Wheel of Time, but no one wants to read <laughs> yeah. Wheel of Time because it's 14 <laughs> books. Each one is a thousand pages. Is this game kind of like, you should play it, because you're a fan of this genre, I think. But it also, it because you yeah. feel like you have to. If I had like all the time in the world and I could sit down and do these things, like, but you have to like prioritize like mm. games and like what you want to do, and you want to be like up to date with what's happening more or less. Okay. And then like, it could be like a new comfort game, but like always to step out of your zone and try that. It's like, eh, I'd rather <laughs> go back to Stardew Valley. Dude, yeah, we actually <laughs> talked about this with. Um, well, Kieran, who's unfortunately still in the hospital. Rest in power. Uh, <laughs> but, like, starting new games is so tough because it's new, like, new controls, uh, new lore, all this kind of... It's just maybe five to ten hours to just get used to a new system, which is just so um, demanding of you as a gamer when See, I time think is it, limited. It, it depends. Like, a gamer, depending where you are in your gamer life cycle, mm-hmm. as in, you know, us, we work, we have other priorities but I'm sure if we're like still in high school it would be totally different do burn through games like no one's business yeah um, so was that then there's a Souls-like kind of game called Another Crab's Treasure uh, basically you're this little hermit crab oh actually no, I did see this and it's, it looks I mean it looks like it's on the Switch it's not a graphical marvel but it looks very cool and interesting where you're a small crab a hermit crab and you are looking for a new shell but you can equip different kinds of shells like a tra- like a little tin can and all kinds of things that you might find in the ocean what's the, other than what's the style well. of the uh, honestly if, if a bit low poly but also just happy colors and lots of it, it's for the switch like yeah, it's not going to be like too demanding. <laughs> it's going to be very arcade looking okay uh, very but it looked cool and i think that the gameplay looked nice and crisp as well. See, now, saying, like, that Hermitcraft game, I did see something about that, but I didn't know that was from Dude. a Nintendo Direct. I don't know what the studio's name is, but it is. And then, yeah, the other one I was going to talk about was Kingdom Come, but, like, eh. once again. Um, so it was just a lot of partner studios of Nintendo talking about some of the games they're working on. There were some other interesting ones, but for the most part, those are ones that, like, stood out to me, and I think were, like, quite cool. Um... But that was also not the only, uh, like, big gaming event we had this past week. Well, we've got a big one coming up, also related to Nintendo. Oh, well, okay. So, the Pokemon Direct? Yeah, Pokemon Pokemon Direct next week, Wednesday. Okay, and? What are we thinking? In my mind and heart, (laughs) it is them responding to Powerworld. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which, speaking of Powerworld, just sold 25 million copies. 25 million? Yeah. Okay, I, oh, I I want to talk about Powerworld, but we have to first talk about Pokemon, and I want to see... I, I don't know enough about Pokemon Directs and the Pokemon company when they talk about like things happening. I imagine they're talking about a remake. I don't know if they're going to announce new games. Um, I, I also don't... I don't understand why they have an entire Direct outside of Nintendo. Because they are their biggest moneymakers. But how many things could you be announcing... Like is, surprisingly, is, they like Pokemon does like a lot of shit between like their series, movies, 
uh, like small little mobile games I've been doing more and more. Like that Pokemon... Oh, what's that Pokemon mobile game? Pokemon Go. Not Pokemon Go. It's, a, it's <laughs> another one that's kind of like you like a Pokemon and like you, it's kind of like a capture the flag type thing. Is it Pokemon Unity? Can't remember. But like that's a pretty like popular game, especially in the Asian markets. Did you watch Pokemon Concierge on Netflix? No, but I want to. Apparently it's, it's so banging. cute. It's so lovely. It's it's short. I think each episode is like ten minutes. Yeah, I saw but like the art style for it's it. It's very and I was pretty. Like, it is very very pretty, and it made me want to play Pokemon. Uh, it was it was awesome. It made me want to have like a friend that was a Pokemon. Um, oh, but so I guess they you don't do want a pal. Like, Shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> Stay on topic. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, where so you know. Everybody's saying it's them respond, going to respond to Powell. Oh, Powell's getting too big. This is them going to snap back at them. But realistically, it takes a lot of months, a lot of time to plan a direct. This is not them. This is not uh, Game Freak and Nintendo uh, freaking out and being like, you know, we need to pull the emergency lever. Untrue. <laughs> I'm taking the other side. Think about it. Powell smashes records. 25 million. 25 million, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Mon- a studio that's like double A. What is it? Is it a month it's been out now? It, I think it at uh, 19th of Jan or something like that. Uh, it's peak. So you have a website called like Stream... No, Steam. Steam. Second highest peak in Steam history. Right, right. But I mean, well behind. But it's still second place. By uh, Dota. But No, not Dota. It's not Dota. Uh, CSGO, dude. Ah. CSGO. Oh my god, I'm going to say beat Dota. Yes. It is oh, like <laughs> that's big. That's that's huge. And their like concurrent players through the month of Jan was more than a million. Like every day, more than a million people were. Was playing that the game. tracked across Microsoft um, and I, Steam I, or just Steam? It's just Steam. Okay. So I can't remember the exact name, but it's like Steam Host or something like Streamlabs. But it's the average throughout the month of Jan was more than a million players. It has now dipped to around. I think I wrote it down somewhere, but I got too many notes this time. Oh, that's fine. To around th- between 200 and 300,000. Still very good. Which is very good, but because it's such a big dip, my uh, not Microsoft, um, Nintendo, or the Pokemon Game company, Freak. is now like, okay, it's calm down. See, they were probably going to do the Pokemon Direct a month ago, but then that would have been way too competitive. So now that that's dipped, they're finally seeing a gap in the market. So you were talking about how they... <laughs> Sorry, I can feel the like crazy garage conspiracy theories coming out, where it's like, <laughs> you were talking about it takes months to set it up, but if they'd already had it set up, they could have just delayed it by a month. No, this logistically, it takes too much. Like, you don't, don't know what goes you, in. You don't work in logistics. I, I do. I do. I do look. I, I work in logistics. Dude. I literally work in logistics. I work in logistics. Oh, you don't work God. in logistics. Next thing you'll be saying <laughs> that you work for a f- company. Oh, uh, <laughs> no one's supposed to know that. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I call you a f- bro all the time. <laughs> Either way. I'm, I'm um, homeless. I'm jobless. <laughs> don't, look, don't look me up on uh, <laughs> dude, I briefly thought you were like petitioning our four viewers <laughs> to be like, here's my PayPal link. <laughs> no, but um, do you, so you honestly think, you know. No, 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 no. But it is hilarious how close it is. Like, we're seeing a bit of a dip in the popularity of Pal World compared to the original amount of hype. Now it comes the long, cr- like, not crunch, but it's the, the developers are going to have to now steadily, like, deliver on what they've promised with the base game yeah and actually get the bugs figured out get the balancing correct get the gameplay more like seamless and smooth otherwise the game the 
it will eventually just be a flash in the pan and drop off completely. Except for maybe, like, a core group of players. Um, but, no, I I don't think Pokemon specifically announced <laughs> this Direct in okay. response. If we want to go down that rabbit hole, my ideal Pokemon Direct would be them coming out. And you're like, you want Pokemon with guns? We're going to fucking give you Pokemon with guns. And it's a Splatoon crossover. Oh. So you get, like, a Pikachu with a little paint gun. Like, there you go. You want Pokemon with guns? Suck on that. But they're, like, friendly guns. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. That, in my ideal world, that's how they answer uh, Powerball. But, um... Pokemon X Nerf. <laughs> like... <laughs> Actually, you never oh, know. Oh, dude, imagine a Nerf gun, but it's just Pikachu. <laughs> like, you get hit with it, you get electrocuted. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like fun. Um, but I think what everybody's hoping is that they're going to be announcing the old Game Boy games are going to be available on um, the Switch. Because what um, Nintendo's been doing lately is they've been making a lot of their old, um, old titles available on the Switch. So not like remastered or anything you can just play an old Game Boy game now on your Switch so people would are really hoping a, the Gen 3 game specifically so Ruby no what Ruby uh, give me a second I got it Think Ruby I know Emerald yeah uh, Saf no yes is it Sapphire yeah no it's not yeah <laughs> Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald Fire Red and Leaf Green Gen 3 okay gotcha so I so people are Wait, really is that called sorry is that called uh, back compatibility reverse compatibility because I know the you can play like PlayStation, yeah, PlayStation four games on PlayStation five and you can play play a lot of the old Xbox games on the newer Xbox. I think it's only called backwards compatibility when you can take the disc and. Um, oh, otherwise yeah. it's just a digital download. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so everybody's hoping that it's that that's going to be announced. Uh, I think the fan base would really love um, remakes of Black and White, which are the, would be the next next titles to get um, remakes after Shining the Shining Di- no, I mean Brilliant, Brilliant Diamond, Diamond Shining, Shining Pearl. Pearl. Yeah. Well, did Platinum get a remake? No, they never remake like the, the third, third game. game. Okay. And Black and White, they from Black and White onwards, they stopped doing the third game, which I hate because the third game was always the best because it they always like refined everything that worked in the uh, in the other two. And like made it crisp. Is that because they started doing almost like more regular releases? Kind of like we basically because you have black and white, then black and white two a couple yeah. years later, and then a jump. But like black and white two is basically like the third title because it's more or less the same story from black and white, except a few things changed. Um, obviously, like I said, refined a lot of the things they did well in black and white, and then we got black and white two instead of just a black and white gray. Yeah. I mean, a Pokemon Grey. <laughs> you just mix them together. Pokemon Grey. Which we, it should have been called Pokemon Grey because, you know, black and white was Zekrom and Rishiram. And then the third legendary was Kyurum, which Are is... Are you speaking Hindu? What's going on? <laughs> it's kind of racist, right? <laughs> you know, that it was like an ice dragon. And the entire story with that was there was one whole... the Well, the legend around Rishiram and Zekrom was that they were one Pokemon, Yin and Yang, that split apart and... From them splitting apart, there was a third Pokemon that was created, which was the husk, kind of, that resulted from them separating, which is Kyurem. And the story of Black and White 2 is kind of like, uh, was a Team Plasma making a device that allowed Kyurem and one of the legendary Pokemon, one of the main title legendaries, so Zekrom or Reshiram, to combine together. And that was the first time we had fusions in Pokemon. 
which was like a very hectic time uh, in the fan base because people were like, oh no, they're doing Digimon. We're going down the Digimon road. No, no, God, please, no. But that was the Some only time. I argue that the Digimon road is pretty cool. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, sorry. they are not here to defend themselves. <laughs> for, for a reason. <laughs> they're extinct. Um, but okay, so that's... Yeah, yeah so Pretend they're gonna announce maybe like a series. They'll talk. They'll probably. Uh, they'll probably announce an upcoming movie, most likely, yeah. um, and uh, maybe talk about the remakes. Hopefully, talk about all titles coming across. Most likely, they at the the last thing they'll do, they'll drop a trailer for Gen. We're we going to Gen Ten. Wow. Don't ask. <laughs> I don't know. Gen Ten. I wonder what that's gonna be like. <laughs> I really hope that you know they've learned from their mistakes from uh, Scarlet and Violet. Every single one of the Pokemon is just going to be an inanimate object. It's going to be like table O. And I wonder if they were to like go back to that how the fan base would respond. I think they'd be happy to, if they would like go back to basics. But you know, ideally, what people would want is like Tears of the Kingdom, Xenoblade type, yeah, yeah, type gameplay graphics. I mean, I, was it was also Immortals Phoenix Rising was another yes, Switch game that was quite that was popular. really good. Um, but okay, so but yeah, that's wraps up our console news at least. Okay, uh, and the like, dude, games are eating quite good um, with IGN Fest as well. I kind of just want to run through it so we can get to the main topic. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, I'm gonna list off the games that stood out to me. I also didn't watch everything. I watched as much as I could. I spent, so I think I said like two to three hours <laughs> going through, and I like didn't even scratch the. Term. Yeah. But uh, some things that looked specifically cool, there was a game called City 20, which looks like a, a, I don't, the, the, what I grasped from it is was you play as an individual that is trying to escape from the city that's kind of gone to shit. Um, and there's, it, it looks, the art style is a bit more basic, maybe a bit more poly and like simple and stylized, but very pretty. And it seems like a survival-ish kind of game. But more in the vein of, um, oh, did you ever play this is this War of Mine, which I've, I've which heard of a lot more gritty it. Yeah. and like serious. Um, that was cool. I, I I'm trying to remember something. There was a game called Outbreak Island, which I didn't give a shit about. Was but, like plague. So essentially, like you, the the trailer starts with a guy like hopping. You it's first person. You hop out of the taxi, and it's raining, and it looks like this weird, not shipyard. You're out in the middle of a forest, but it looks like. A massive, like, what you'd imagine a settlement to look like that's made from containers and whatever. Um, but you go through this hole and it goes down. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a lame zombie game. And then, or you're like a journalist, like an Alan Wake kind of situation where yeah. you don't have any abilities. But then it started playing. I was like, oh, it more seems like you are a tactical response uh, individual, like a certain set of skills that has been sent in to clear out this area. So you have your guns, you have your whatever. And I was like, I wrote the game off until halfway through the trailer where it shows that you can actually like build a small base <laughs> and do farming. And oh like, <laughs> my God, no, don't pretend. Don't, Pusha, don't put farming Pusha. second like that Pusha. wasn't the thing. Pusha. It was so funny. I was talking to myself. I was like, I was genuinely about to click the skip button and like to go to the next trailer I had to watch. And then I <laughs> paused with my finger on top of the mouse as like he started building his base and you saw him carrying around buckets and making little um, raised beds for things to plant in. It was... It was, ah, oh, dude, it was such a, like, a comic book moment for me. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so predictable. Um, so that game does not look like fun, except for <laughs> the farming aspect. Um, 
Paralives looked very cool. I don't know if you saw anything about that. It looks like a Sims kind of competitor, but maybe a bit more, um, like, not ingratiated. What's the right term? Um, Do you think the world still craves for Sims? Like, I know, like, mm. gamer girls love Sims still. <laughs> but One in particular that we can think of. Ah, oh, two in particular. Ah, oh, fair enough. Uh, but other than that, like, do you think do you think this might bring back the craze? No, I don't think it's gonna have a massive audience. Yeah. But I, th- I think maybe streamers might pick up on it as a fun thing to play, and it will be popular with a sm- certain group of people. But I don't think. Real, well, like the, so you're saying the simulation audience already. Mm. But I will say it's done by an indie team. Very cool. And they're fully funded by Patreon. So there's no... Oh. The plan is to have, like, uh, no deals, no, like, all... Like, everything will be... Once you buy the game, you buy the game. It's not going to be like Sims, where you have to pay... You, you get the base game, and then you have to spend thousands upon yeah, thousands of brands for the expansions. Right? So they're also, like, fairly well supported on Patreon, all that kind of stuff, which nice. is awesome. Um... Let's see. There was an Elden Ring DLC announced. Uh, there was Harold oh. Halibut, which looked like a yes. very cool. This was also on my list. Yeah, and then Plucky Squire. Actually, I was also happy. on my list. <laughs> okay, so the Plucky Squire just looked like a very cool, like storybook line art. Yeah. So adventure. Back to what happened to you with the your farming simulator. <laughs> you. I was watching this. So obviously, um, you t- it's you it's uh, you oversee the entire level, so you can see everything that's happening. And so I just thought it's just a type of puzzle game. Because the characters like going from one side to the next, trying to like figure out the puzzle. I'm like, okay, I mean, like the animation, the st- animation style is pretty cool. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he, the the character just can pop out of the book, and it goes from a two D to a three D game. And when they pop out of the like storybook, um, they're able to play with the um, the actual level by um, by messing with the book. So there's this particular part where there's a cart on the one side. And by lifting the page, he's able to move the cart and slide to the other side. So sick. So I mean, that like hooked me because I love that like change of thinking and like, especially like level, like puzzle games with that, they add like a slight twist like that, where you have to like adapt the way you think is crack cocaine for me. (laughs) Did you ever play Fez by any chance? Mm -hmm. It's, you might recognize the character, but it's, it's like the small, uh, like white character with a square head or rectangular head. And I think maybe even a cap. I could be wrong. But essentially the game starts and it just looks like a side-scrolling platformer. But then you hit a button on your control on the keyboard and then the camera shifts. So then you realize it's all actually 3D, but you have to change Ooh. the like which part you're facing flat on to like make your way through the... Um, a lot of Nintendo space. titles that did that also. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of... There's, there's a couple others like Inotria, The Lost Song, Lost Epoch, Nightingale... Dying Light Two, they like, but there's they didn't stand out as much to me as the I, other ones I mentioned. Yeah, I would like to shine a light on Harold Harbert. Okay. Because that the everything that's in that game they created, um, all like clay animation that they all made by hand, and then three D scanned it into the game, which is why it has that the very like distinct style where it feels like um you know like Wallace and Gromit. Uh, oh, do you know what? When I was watching the trailer. It reminded me of Wes Anderson films. Yes, actually. It had that it, really lovely... If you told me Wes Anderson like oversaw this game, I'd be like, oh yeah, 100%. It's literally Wes Anderson meets Claymation. Yes. 
Um, I, but it looked, it looks like very story driven. Yeah. And again, what is it? You are on a spaceship looking for a new I home. think it was like a spaceship or you're underwater. I think it's spaceship. Yeah. I think you're on like a big spaceship and you've joined as a crew member or something. Yes. And you, and, uh, you just, it's supposed to be like a very relaxing game with like a mystery. Lots uh, of story, lots yeah. of talking. Um, awesome. Anything else? No. From IGN Fest? No, that, and those were the only ones that like stuck out to me gaming wise. Oh, actually no. Uh, one last one. Not a new game, but uh, Dave the Diver is getting a new update where Godzilla. they're going to be cross- <laughs> going to be a crossover with Godzilla. And if you don't know, I'm a huge Godzilla fan. Dude, I was I was watching a t- TikTok recently where it's um, it's two dudes sitting at like standing at a fence, and it's uh, the caption was Godzilla at the end of every movie, and it's like he shakes the, the dude's hand, and oh, the gosh. one guy just walks off and like walks back into the fucking lake. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's not insane. not wrong. That's usually how Godzilla goes out when... Oh, except that crappy Godzilla movie that had Matthew Broderick. Who's the voice of Simba? I've seen the wrong the... guy, here. Yeah. Alright. Well, that was a very bad Godzilla movie. Don't do that. They would... To- Toei Studios actually bought the rights to that Godzilla. Toei? Uh, like yeah. Toei Animation? What was it Toei? I can't, remember... I can't remember the name of the Godzilla Studios. I think it's Toei. Whatever. They actually bought, they, that studio bought the rights to that American Godzilla just so they can put it in their movie and have the original Godzilla like beat the living shit out of it. <laughs> Dude, that's such a big dick move. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, Dave um, the Diver is getting a crossover Godzilla and a lot of like new monsters and updates or like it looks like it's going to be a new post game, which I'm very excited for because that was like my one complaint when I reviewed um, Dave the Diver on the podcast is that once you complete the game, it's not like a lot of stuff to do afterwards besides completing your fish Pokedex. Okay, so <laughs> speaking of games with not a lot to do, I want to talk about Skull and Bones. Okay. Um, how much have you researched? How much have you watched? What have you... A lot, because I'm very interested because I love pirates. <laughs> I love pirates. I think they're better than cowboys, knights, all the other like traditional like fantasy characters. That Vampires. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a big fan of pirates? Yeah. Um, so this is something that I've been paying attention to for a while. Okay, so important to know, Skull and Bones got released on the... When was it? Earlier in Feb. Uh, two or three weeks ago? Feb 16th. So a week ago. Oh, was it a week ago? Uh, Skull and Bones got released after 10-ish... Well, close on 10 years of development. Um, the publishers are Ubisoft, and it was developed by Ubisoft Singapore. Mm. The One of the directors of Ubisoft called it one of the first quadruple A games. And its initial price tag, I think, was $70. It is now dropped down to $60, as far as I'm aware. So speaking on quadruple A quickly, he was actually the second CEO to announce that, they're make, that they made a quadruple A game. There's another Microsoft uh, CEO who said they're making a quadruple A game. And what was the game? I can't remember what it's called right now. I can, I'll look it up now. I have it say at my notes somewhere. Okay. But this was the first official released quadruple A game. Um, and then it dropped. <laughs> and everyone was like, huh. Wonder why. <laughs> hmm. This doesn't feel like a quadruple A. Doesn't even feel like a triple A. This is a quadruple A standard. <laughs> Gaming is going in the wrong direction. Okay. Before we go any further, and I do have strong opinions. Um, I, it's important to say, like, no game developer wants to make a bad game yeah no one that is in the art team no one that's in the animation team no one that's in the development side none of like no one wants to make a bad game yeah and normally it will come down to like time pressure 
poor direction um and then like managerial people kind of or people that aren't even in the development of the game but just funding it that are like we need returns on our investment it often comes down to that so then the investors apply the pressure and then you end up with something like and also it's important to say skull and bones has fun moments apparently the the like ship fighting is very arcadey and very fast paced it's not going to be for everyone okay I'm... but it is like decent and it is very pretty the, I, like it i want to like, stop before appealing. we talk a lo- any more on it okay i think to understand exactly why skull and bones is in its position now we need to look at the dev cycle and why it was 10 took 10 years to make okay it's also before we do that though <laughs> it is important to say it is a live service game it's a live which service means game. you pay for the game and then it's meant to get more content and more updates later on in its lifespan it's yes. meant to be seasonal so like four times a year there's meant to be a new season well, they already they at the ign um fan fest already released trailers for the first update yeah it's going to be looking which like. is part of like it's almost like you're buying in to an unfinished game yeah but okay and it's too meant to keep players hooked and coming back to it that's the basic premise but now it can't it started in 2013 after the release of Assassin's Creed Black Flag mm-hmm. which was the fourth major uh, Assassin's Creed game and people were like we like this pirate shit so uh, Ubisoft so in Assassin's Creed 3 there was a ship fighting aspect very, yeah, very small. small but that was handled by Ubisoft Singapore which is why then Ubisoft Singapore was given the um, rights to develop Skull and Bones yeah so they actually did the entire Black Flag one. No, did they do the whole of Black Flag? They did the entire... No, they did the entire Black Flag, the mechanics, the, the naval mechanic, mechanics. Okay, the naval mechanics, yeah. right. Uh, I don't think they worked on the AC3's one. Mm. They, but no, they, no, they did. Did I, they? I can promise oh, okay. you, they did. But um, I do know for a fact that they did everything, all the naval mechanics for AC4. But before giving the reins for this, they had never shipped a full yeah, game. never. And this is what... So it started 2014, 2013, yeah. 2014 was when they started development. They were always a support studio for the major... Yeah. Um, other major Ubisoft um, locations. Okay. Studios. And then, how did the shitstorm... Like, because then we got hyped, right? Oh, Skull and Bones, we're getting so, a pirate game. What initially... What, what actually fucked them up is they took a grant from the Malaysian... Allegedly. Not, <laughs> it has not been confirmed. I, but... Okay, so they have asked Ubisoft about it, but Ubisoft has always... They said no comment. No comment, which speaks in itself. I mean, sure, can, but Silence no one, no one has confirmed this. That's the problem. You can't be like, oh... But if you think, like, if I'll tell you why later it makes sense why it wasn't a 10-year, but starting off, they took grant money from, Sing- from a Singapore government. And they had to develop they had a game, to develop or they a had game. to produce a game within a certain yeah. amount of time. Which makes sense why it had a 10-year uh, life cycle, because... Most games, when they start to struggle, they would just be canned. They're like, you know what? This isn't working. It's let's... too much money for a yeah. studio to put into something that isn't guaranteed yeah. to work out. So let's cut our losses. You know, we tried this. It didn't work. Whatever. But 10 years, they had to do it. And there had to be a reason. And the only thing people can think of is they accepted money from the Singapore government, mm-hmm. which required them to make a AAA game. Okay. And it started out... The original premise of Skull and Bones was a 5v5 mm. kind of... Uh, not arcade style, oh, but... Overwatch, would... Rainbow Six Siege type vibe. Yeah, right? Uh, and there are some elements in the game that we got that were like mm. your... And I think it's quite cool. Maybe not as fleshed out as it could have been, but um, you can have different ships that are like 
focus on healing or focus on tanking and focus on speed, all this kind of stuff. Just quickly on the healing, I love it. It's called you a do- medicinal <laughs> cannonball. That when you're when you're playing with um other people online who are on your fleet, if you need to heal, they fire a cannonball at you and it heals your ship. It's so- it's great. I don't think there's a better way to do that. <laughs> but I just love that concept so much. But so it started off with this 5v5. Essentially, you wait in the lobby, you on this 5v5 match, and then you leave the lobby. Yes. Like, you win or lose the game. And that was the original premise. Then, so at this point, this was the first crate. They, this, uh, thing, they had the first creative director, and this was his vision for the game. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get too stuck into the details, but basically... Over the next couple of years, they would f- have different creative direct- directors and they would be there and then leave. Be there and then leave. And what would happen is every time a new creative director came on, they would essentially push out some of the other managers and directors and put their own people in place who they've worked with before. And as a result, the and I, the vision of the game kept changing. I will say, I, I dived into this a bit deeper, and there was only three. Yeah. Uh, the second lady, the second one who came in, she was a veteran of the industry. Yeah, she Been well, there for 20 years. Elizabeth? What's her name? I can't remember her last name, but for the most part, she tried to take as much as she could from the previous guy and from the team that had built the 5v5 and continue that she didn't want to disrupt uh, by firing and replacing. Yeah. Um, but when she left, she kind of just left the ball holding for the final person. Well, but they said she also left because it was at the end of the cycle and she was supposed to leave. Yeah. Perhaps, they didn't knows. need like her vision yeah. anymore. I don't think there were too many managerial um, and other turnovers. I think they tried to keep it as concise as they did from what I looked into it. But, but still having different creative directors come in with different visions is going to create a lot of Because I think when she hopped on, she started thinking of it more of like a survival, yes. looter kind yeah. of thing, right? Shooter, looter. Um, and, which is just tough, because then you, like, you tell your teams that have developed all these things, these mechanics, that they now need to focus on other things instead. And on top of that, over the course of the development of this game, the new consoles came out. The PS5 uh, and the Xbox yeah. Series X and S like were released. And then you have to then they have to essentially rebuild the game in a newer engine. They they publicly had to push back Skull and Bones six times, which currently holds holds a record for the most publicly announced pushbacks in the video game history. Hmm. Which is insane. And that all leads to what was it, a week ago now, where after all this stuff with like the development cycle and ex Ubisoft or and current Ubisoft employees talking about how confusing it was, how frustrating it was at times and like the, there being a bit of crunch culture all that kind of stuff mm. and we end up with Skull and Bones now I've watched a lot I've seen that the ship customization is really cool I managed to play a little bit really? on a friend's, on a friend's PC and and wait so as far as I'm aware uh, yeah. the early game so you start you're uh, uh, someone that's washed up on the shores of the island you then need to start building up your ship from yeah. the ground. So you start with this little monosail kind of boat, just you, and you get two crewmates, then you get like you get to the mid game, which is a bit more piratey as opposed to the early game. I would game, say it's is... not a pirate game, it's a pirate ship game because you we will you do very little of being an actual pirate. Okay. Because you you're you play as a ship. Yeah. You're a ship. And all the Your customization is based on the ship. Yeah. Like every part Which is of the game. insane. It has a lot of really good customization. You mm-hmm. can really make the boat feel 
your own however yeah. you want to do it and does it look as pretty as it i think is, it is it's a very pretty game yeah being in the ocean looking at your surrounding islands it's it's very well done graphically wise and then you get caught up and they start singing songs yeah like the cla- you know she raises it's it's really cool i love pirate games when just when you're sailing and you're like oh shit this is sick actually also i know you can go first person which is even cooler because you can kind of like be sailing. Yeah, you got, stuff. got your little animal to your right there. Whereas in Assassin's Creed Black Flag, you were always in that like distant Overhead, like person. eagle eye type. Yeah. Um, so that's really, really cool. As far as I Do know, you... it, it, there isn't a crazy amount of depth to the rest of the game. Well, okay, well, I'll say like the actual feel for the game, like it's very smooth. Because uh, if you if, like bl- playing with the Black Flag and the ships, it's a bit clunky. Where here, it's a lot more responsive, smoother, um, sh- like firing on your enemies, getting them down with a, um, what's that like cannon thing that fires? Mortar. Mortar. Like it all runs very smoothly, well thought out of. But unrealistic, but like they're focusing more on like the fun arcade type, type so of shooting. So the combat is very arcade. It, yeah, and it's fun. Okay. Like, don't let people tell you otherwise, like the actual fighting of it is fun. Um, it's a good time, but... I think like when people were like because there's a lot of misconceptions about what the game is like people say it's a pirate game like I, I said before you don't do a lot of pirating the big issue there being like when you have wrecked a ship enough to be able to board you chuck the um, ropes to pull it close it cuts, cuts to scene. black and then it's like did you oh you never played Sid Meier's Pirates no but it's that game from the early 2000s where you would essentially have a battle you would then pull close to board and then it would cut to black and then you would just get all the loot from that boat. And then maybe get the option to recruit some crew members. And it's kind of shit. Because yeah. part of the being a pirate is like swashbuckling. And we've gotten that experience with Black Flag. Because obviously in Black Flag, where you do the exact same thing. Throw the hooks over, reel them in. But then and you then can you like... go on to, the, to their ship and you fight them. Exactly. Which is... It feels... I don't know if it's nitpicky or not. I think it serves the purpose of like... You you're just fight, you're just a ship fighting, and if if your point is to have an arcadey ship fighting game, sure, but it's a pirate game. So I'll say why a lot of people feel like a bit cheated. Like I feel like maybe some people wouldn't care too much, but you do get time where you play as you know a person, an actual pirate. Only like when you go to like your islands in order to do trade, buy new um, buy materials and all of that. Uh, so you do get to be a person. So they. So a lot of people are like, okay, so why did you implement this small thing? Why not just have it, we dock at an island, you just and a hub opens up, and you can see all the stuff that you need to buy. Why did you need to make a little person? Because now it gives you the expectation maybe in the future, they could implement that. Which is kind of, comes swings back around to the whole live service act, uh, aspect of mm. it. Which is, it's kind of like releasing a game in early access. Because if they do eventually implement all these cool things, like, okay, if we were to fix... Skull and Bones. If we were to make it into the perfect pirate game for us right now, I would want them to be boarding. Mm-hmm. I would want the ability to actually roam around like all the islands. I know that there's lots of towns, lots of beautiful places where you dock and you just have like two options. You can't get off. You just like buy stuff or you loot the place or something like that. And it launches another mini game where yeah. you fight. Right? Having the ability to hop off, explore, talk to people, do quests, whatever. Right? Turn it into a pirate game not into a arcade shooter and on top of that uh maybe making the crew a bit more customizable so doing yeah. quests to maybe get like 
the special gunner who improves accuracy by like 5%. Like lots of, nothing crazy. You don't want people to be crazily overpowered fighting against other individuals. I will say the game itself is very grindy from what I've seen and mm. heard. Like you, and like people don't also have an incentive to grind in the game. Yeah. Because if you get a strong, you, you, get a, you get to a certain point where like the weapons are like, you're more or less one-shotting or two-shotting. I think they're like, there are no enemies at this moment. Again, background to live service. Maybe later, stronger enemies, but now there's no uh, incentive to get that stronger weapon. In like, which case, what? wait two years until they've had eight seasons. Yeah. And then buy in. But, and then I actually want to say, like, if you want people to constantly come back and play more of the game, have them get invested in the world. Why do I want to care about this, like, world? Which kind of brings me to Helldivers 2, which people are frothing about. It is in early access. It's not a finished game. But in the game of Helldivers, you, or in the world of Helldivers, you are defending Super Earth. Super Earth! From, the, like, either Super these, Earth. like, Super robot Earth. invaders or these uh, insects. And it is a, like, you have frontiers and you have to be fighting. Otherwise, you will lose different quadrants and it's like an ongoing battle. So you feel invested because if you aren't there defending Super Earth, like other people won't be doing that for yeah. you. So you feel the like desire to go back in and fight more and you feel invested in the world. Whereas with the pirate, like Skull and Bones, what is there to draw you back? Like w- what purpose do I have for continually playing this game mm. over the next five years? Um, which... Then we have Skull and... Uh, not Skull and Bones. Helldivers. Um, not Helldivers, sorry. What's sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves. Um, which is on its 10th, 11th season, somewhere there. But... Oh, man, it's been around. It's been around for a long time. And the gameplay is more fun. I've, I find I'm more willing to go back into Sea of Thieves than I would be for Skull and Bones. How many hours have you put into Sea of Thieves? I think close to 100. Jesus. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's object like it has pretty much the same thing as um Skull and Bones except you can you ha- you are a pirate and everything on your boat you have to adjust to the wind like in Skull and Bones but you yeah. are actively moving the sails and you are loading the cannons and you are firing them. The gameplay is more like almost not in depth crowded. Yeah, like it's it's still super cartoony. You can shoot yourself in a cannon. But you can also explore pretty much every island. There's lots of different places to go. And it's just, it's more silly and almost the like comedy and fun aspects of it keep you coming back. Where I go, don't see Skull and Bones doing that. Where it's like, oh, I'm going to have a laugh with my friends. Nah, you're going to do the same arcade shootout for an hour and then get bored. I think once they start bringing in some fantastical elements into it, because they have said that they want to bring fantastical beasts into it. I've seen I think, that there are sea monsters that you yeah, can fight. I think if they start doing like, when you battle like a kraken you have to do it with um with teammates you have to have a fleet so other to try to get more to encourage people to play with their friends i think that could help uh have it have a longer um shelf life yeah shelf life and also like you say like get people to want to play because right now it's, it's, it's also just a game that you play by yourself and you can have your friends there with you but don't need them also, I've heard that it's still it is quite buggy. Like, yeah, it's if PV- every play PVP is fucked in that <laughs> game. <laughs> okay, so it's like you're gonna every PlayStation you're probably gonna experience some sort of like network issue or gameplay issue, whatever it might be, um, which 
you know, it, it's going to result in you kind of uh, rage quitting the game when you're in the middle of something. Mm. And yeah, so there's there's a lot of issues with it. I I I would there, say wait wait two years see if... yeah there's definitely a game in there I can see it I can see them turning it around but it's going to depend on Ubisoft because even see like Sea of Thieves I think had its issues at at the start people thought it was fun people like enjoyed shooting their friends out of a cannon but it also wasn't as popular when mm. it first launched because they had lots of bugs but now it's a great game honestly the way I think we talk we well we've talked about um, Skull and Bones right now. It's just based on the fact that they called it a quadruple A game. They invested two hundred million in this, which is double the amount that they invested in allegedly. Allegedly, double the amount they invested in um, AC Four Black Flag, and you know you have a certain expectation, and also a game that is what to one thousand four hundred seventy seventy dollars. Yeah, it creates a lot of expectations with you, and you want like a finished product, a product that you're going to enjoy, and because we got what we got you get the reaction that you did from the gaming community. When you put something at that price point, you expect perfection. Yes. I think if it was like, what, like a 400 Rand game, mm. 350, that we wouldn't be like talking about it the way what's, we are now. Um, what's the thing we talked about? Like, for the price of either Suicide Squad, which is another live service game that another, recently. Another $1,470 game. Which is also arguably not good. Um, and Skull and Bones. So either one of those two games, you can get two of the biggest like double A or indie games of this year, which is Helldivers 2 and Power World. So either you can buy Skull and Bones and be kind of disappointed, or you can buy Power World and Helldivers 2 and have a blast of a time for the next couple of months. Yeah, you can save democracy. And all three of those games, like the, the, what's it, Helldivers 2 and Power World are in early access, which means they are still being developed. And which kind of promises more content and more streamlining in the future. Yeah. And so is Skull and Bones, which man, is allegedly a finished game. I, I, man, for Hull Divers, it's actually insane. So it came out um, on the 8th of Feb. Yeah. They, their servers were built to uh, accommodate 150,000 players. And even when they did that, they were like, oh, no ways, we're going to get 150,000 players within like the first few months to be playing our games. Who? What's the name of the studio? Arrowhead Studios. Arrowhead Studios. Right, you're you're in love with their CEO. I love him. He he's very active on Twitter, mm. and he's constantly helping out people. Even like if they're not tagging him, people be like, "I had this problem in at uh, this part." He's like, and he will like underneath be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, send me your details. I'll try to get you streamlined. I mean, fast tracked uh, with our yeah. um like a, with a ticket for the whatever the issues. Customer service. Yes. Thank um, you. So Arrowhead is a Swedish studio, um, about a oh. hundred people work there. Um, so I think it qualifies still as double A, bordering on triple. Like if you compare Singapore, uh, Ubisoft, Ubisoft Singapore, five hundred, uh, four hundred plus, yeah, yeah, which is it's four times the size, and developed. Well, excuse me, I'm burping a bunch here, but like and delivered something for m- almost double the price. That's about half as good. So. Um, Lots of big ups to the Helldivers 2 team, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so like I was saying, like they never thought they would reach their 150 so soon. Yeah. They did it. By the 17th of Feb, they'd increased it to 500k. And yesterday, they increased it to 750k. Which means they've quadrupled their capacity size in not even a month. People like love this game so much. People love it so much that, you know, obviously people are struggling to get in because they keep increasing their capacity. That the strat became to... Once you're done with your like gaming session, you just you don't log out. You stay there. So Arrowhead actually had to introduce a um, a patch into the game 
that if you're idle for too long, it's going to kick you out. Because <laughs> people are loving this game so much that they don't want to go through that waiting process to try and get in. The sheer amount of, like, Murica memes I've seen <laughs> of people... What was it? Oh, I think you sent it. Where they launch a nuke. And in the, in the <laughs> background just... is... Uh, oh, what's the name of the song? Uh, so it's um, ACDC. Um... Made to wear the flag. Ooh, they're sending me down the wall. No, isn't it ACDC's Thunder? All those like songs are just in one thing with me. It's like the. It's uh, it is it, it, so like the game is very humorous. It's basically like it's done a parody of being super patriotic. So current day Republicans. Yeah. Um, and basically, yeah, we're trying to spread democracy throughout <laughs> the universe with guns and lead. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like you said, we're defending Super Earth from. Mm. Uh, aliens and robots. It looks beautiful, by the way. Like, the atmosphere... I've seen so many clips of uh, someone... Like, their friends have extracted successfully and they're the last one standing. <laughs> and you just see the, like, red beams of light from the heads of the robots. Yeah, it's, it's coming through the mist. And then they're, like, on the ground. Like, oh! It creates, like, great cinematics. Like, I, I remember that. It's, like, kind of like that opening scene for Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's such a great analogy, actually. It's, it's Tropic Thunder, the video game. Actually, yeah. That's awesome. It, it's great. And like, and surprisingly, like, sometimes when you take down a base, you, you would expect like a game like this, it's, only, it's like full steam ahead, guns blazing. There's actually a slight stealth element. Like, if you want to, you can take down a base by doing stealth. There's a guy who managed to sneak around, perfectly lob a grenade onto like their like, jammer, which was uh, the mission for that planet. Um, managed to blow it up and he's sprinting away because now all the robots realize that something is happening and he's just trying to get back that's so sick so yeah so, so there's a bunch of planets surrounding super earth hmm. and when you choose it there's usually one big mission to do and, but when you arrive down there's like smaller missions you can find and a secret one and completing those helps progress the percentage of liberating a, pan, a planet yeah and it, it looks like it's, it's a whole bunch of different frontiers yeah Right, so in the middle you have Super Earth, and then you have all these different quadrants, uh, and surrounding it in this almost like uh, a what what do you call it? Like a Milky Way like, map, yeah. yeah. And then you have certain parts that aren't even accessible yet, which will come, which will come in the future. In the yeah. future, and it just seems like people are having so much fun, just also role playing <laughs> as these super patriotic dudes. Like Rah! this, this game ended the console wars, I would say, because I've seen so many people trying to like recruit like sony board fanboys are actively petitioning microsoft to get it onto uh xbox it's the first time i've seen like halo subreddits and um communities uh same with gears of war be so active wait i don't understand you said sony fanboys want yeah. microsoft to get it on oh because it's crossplay so they want more people they want playing. more people like like people are joining together for the first time and this is actually something like johan the ceo of arrowhead talked about they were like, oh, are you ever going to make PvP? He's like, fuck no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's like, oh, we want this to be, we don't want a toxic community. We want people to feel, you know, a community together. And that's why we have everybody playing together, fighting against a common enemy. Wait, dude, what was, what was his, um, on, if you go to the Arrowhead's website, right? Uh, a game for everyone is a game for no one. Exactly. And it's, it's like this, that's their motto or something, yeah. which is just a dig at big game, game studios where like Skull and Bones is meant to be almost as generic as possible so that anyone can pick it up. You don't make the uh, combat too complex or too manual. You make it arcadey and fun that anyone can hop in and do it. Yeah. Right? You're trying to hit too much of an audience and as a result, you kind of don't really hit much of an audience at all. Um, 
obviously sometimes there is success. Like, Ubisoft does make good games. And sometimes people that make a very broad game... Ubisoft, and they do like small games, like almost mm. like double A games. The type. Prince of pa- Persia game recently yeah. was apparently very good. Technically like, double A. Whereas Helldivers, it's, it's a very specific kind of game. Uh, it's a yeah. cooperative shooter. Third person, some, yeah. Yeah, first person only when you unit. And it's... Scopes. And it, so on Arrowhead Studio, where they say this, it very much feels like a dig at triple A studios who have all this budget, make have all this money, have all these like resources available to them, and are just so... Uh, locked in to that kind of treadmill of having to appease as many different people as possible otherwise they will sink right and whereas Arrowhead which is hopefully going to remain in this kind of double A sphere and they like just going to keep making games and improving games like Helldivers 2 that just they hit a niche and they they, they knock that niche out of the park yeah I, it, I wonder because right now it's on, only on the PlayStation 5 and PC hmm. I wonder if, you know, they'll do PS4 maybe if they want to get more people involved. Because um, it's, while it is like a very good, like graphic-wise, it's not like too heavy, like yeah. you need the PS5 hardware to do it. But honestly, like over the, like, I, I think I, I texted you and Kieran about it. This is making me want to be physically irresponsible and buy a PS5. <laughs> I want to be involved. I want to join the fight, man. I want to spend, <laughs> I want to I wanna save Super Earth. Hoorah! <laughs> And on that bombshell, I don't know, any final thoughts about anything? We've kind of covered, like, there's, dude, there's so much gaming news. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been very, he- like, heavy gaming couple of weeks. Yeah, just to um, peel back the cut, we just had, we had to cut stuff from today's episode. Because <laughs> there was just too much things. Dude, we could have talked about, like, Rockstar and GTA 6. We and saw the that. streamer wars to talk about. No, uh, uh, it's been, it's been very news heavy week, but I think we covered, like, the major points. Yeah. Um, so, I'm Bjorn. I'm Ashav. And this has been the Underlevel Podcast. Mine is Kieran. <laughs> <R. I. P. laughs> we hope that his spine recovers very soon. 